It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of the Mummy Movie Podcast, in which we will be focusing on the Pharaoh's Curse from 1957. As will be unsurprising to people familiar with the show, I shall first go over the background information on the film. Then there will be a section on the historical accuracy. Finally, I shall review the film, saying what I like and dislike, and just giving my overall impressions. So, let us travel across the deserts of Egypt. Let us approach the Valley of the Kings and enter the tomb. As we lift the coffin lid, unbeknownst to us, we have awoken something. We must now face the consequences of the Pharaoh's curse. This film was produced by the American company Bell Air Productions and as such it is unique for a mummy movie of this time because for the last 25 years or so almost all mummy movies had been released by Universal Productions. The film was directed by Lee Sholem who had the nickname Roland Sholem due to his ability to make TV shows and films quickly, efficiently and under budget. In fact in his lifetime he directed over 1,300 productions without ever going over budget. This is an achievement unsurpassed until this very day. True to his reputation, this film had a tiny budget and was shot in just six days. In terms of the cast, Mark Danner plays the lead character, Captain Storm. Viva Rodan plays Samira, a mysterious woman who lives in the Egyptian desert in the film. Diane Brewster plays Sylvia Quentin, and George N. Nice plays her husband, Robert Quentin. Mm. 
Now I shall go over the historical accuracy of the film. The opening to this film shows the unrest in Egypt during British rule in 1902. It is interesting that they show that Britain was fighting a losing battle and that a large part of Egypt wanted independence from the crown. This was indeed largely the case in Egypt in 1902 because there was a growing nationalist opposition. Although the British presence in Egypt would not entirely leave until 1956 when the Suez Canal crisis took place. It is quite noticeable in fact that the film only came out three months after the Suez Canal crisis and so this setting was almost certainly inspired by it. Further, the mission that Captain Storm, the main character in the film, is sent on is actually quite intelligent. He is sent to stop an unsanctioned archaeological excavation in the Valley of the Kings. Ultimately, it is believed that if the public in Egypt found out that they were digging up their dead, it would lead to further unrest. I mean, yeah, makes sense to me. So far, all of this seemed very logical, both for the setting of the film and history in general. On a less accurate note, it should probably be noted that the military uniforms being worn here are not from the right time period, or in part, even the right country. The jackets and belts resemble those found on the American uniforms of the Second World War, whilst the medal ribbons resemble those awarded to British soldiers in the First World War. Moving on, the tomb they break into belongs to a pharaoh named Rahotep. There was actually a pharaoh from the 17th dynasty named this, but I suspect that the filmmakers were unaware of this and just used an Egyptian name. In terms of the meaning of the name, Ra was a major Egyptian sun god, whilst Hotep means to be satisfied. Therefore, Ra-Hotep means Ra is satisfied. During the film, Samira, a mysterious woman who approaches a party in the desert, often draws attention to a strange necklace. This necklace has a weird-looking animal on it that kind of looks like a cat with horns. Later, this is revealed to be the goddess Bastet. Bastet was a real goddess. Originally, she was depicted as a lioness and was associated with war. However, at the turn of the century, that's around about 1000 BCE, she also becomes depicted as a cat. When in cat form, she was seen as somewhat tamer, and rather than showing ferocity towards humans, she instead destroyed things like rodents. One incidental point here is that in Egyptian mythology, Bastet was the daughter of Ra, and so there is some sense in her association with Ra-Hotep here. When it comes to the appearance of Bastet in the film, however, as said earlier, she is very odd-looking, and in reality, she most certainly did not have horns. Further, the use of cartouches in the film is also very odd. Ultimately, a cartouche is a depiction of a ring of rope which the pharaoh's name was written in. However, in the film, they claim that they have found a letter from Rahotep to his high priest written in a cartouche. This just isn't how cartouches were used. In terms of the iconography in the actual tomb, it is very odd looking and a couple of the images 
almost seem to resemble something from The Simpsons or Futurama. It is quite obvious that these were quick additions to the walls, just to make them appear a little bit more Egyptian-y. Finally, at the end of the film, the mummy has returned to its coffin and now wears a death mask. Mummies did wear death masks, and as presented in the film, they did actually always have the eyes open on them. This helped the deceased to see in the afterlife. Secondly, the death mask does at least look like the deceased in the film. This is correct, as death masks were used to help the deceased soul to recognise them in the afterlife. However, typically, the death mask would have been on the outside of the bandages, not in the wrappings as shown in the film. Ultimately, this film gets a few things correct, but they are few and far between. There is very little here that is historically accurate, and a lot of the time, what is accurate is only incidentally so. Now it is time for the review of the film. I shall start with the parts I liked. Firstly, as already stated, I did like the beginning of this film. Not only was the setting plausible for the time period, but I also felt that the tone was far grittier than the Universal Mummy movies that came before it. The love triangle between Captain Storm, Sylvia and her husband Robert is quite daring for a film of this age. Although, it would be nice to see one of these films where the main female lead is something other than just a love interest. Indeed, the whole purpose of her visit to the excavation is just to break up with him. Outside of this, she really doesn't do much in the film. Now I shall move on to the parts I was not so keen on. Firstly, outside of one scene where Robert and Sylvia talk about their marriage, I did not really feel like I got to know the characters in the film. Because of this, for the most part, all of the deaths were incredibly ineffective. This was not helped by the way the mummy kills. Once again, we go back to the mummy shuffling along whilst their victims slowly shuffle backwards with their hands raised. It is painfully clear that they could just walk away and be fine. Although these deaths are incredibly goofy, which I do like, they also ask me to suspend my disbelief far too much. When it comes to the mummy, I do at least like that they tried something different here. Rather than the mummy raising from the dead, the mummy's soul instead transfers into one of the other characters' bodies, and over time, that person begins to age. As he does, he goes about seeking revenge on those who desecrated the tomb. Unfortunately, when it comes to the makeup used, the mummy just looks like a young person who has been badly made up to look old. I suppose it does look a little unnatural, and I could see some people at the time being scared of this, but I do not think the look has aged well. Finally, the English accents in the film were incredibly bad. For the most part, it was obvious that it was just American actors trying to put on accents, and it feels like even when a cast member was British, they were told to play up their accent. This makes a film quite hard to watch without cringing. Overall, the film got mixed to poor reviews by both critics, contemporary and modern. I would personally say that this is about right. 
I did enjoy the film to a degree, and I do think it needs to be remembered that the film had extreme time constraints and a tiny budget. In that regard, it is quite an achievement. I also appreciate having a mummy movie made by a company other than Hammer Horror or Universal Pictures from the 1950s. There also certainly was a fair amount of unintentional humour here, so there are some positive aspects to this film. However, the deaths in the film were incredibly bad and I did not feel like I got to know the characters. In terms of the films that came before it, I would put this Mummy movie above The Mummy's Tomb and Curse, but below The Mummy 1932 and The Mummy's Hand and Ghost. Therefore, I suppose this was a middle-of-the-road Mummy movie for this time period. Thank you very much for listening, and please join me again on Monday, where we shall be looking into The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb from 1964. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.